broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Tuesdays with Corey. Now here's your host, Corey Rick. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Tuesdays with Corey. Uh, we have another great show today, and we would like to thank our sponsor, American Repo Graphics Corporation. If you print with it, print on it, or simply want it printed, call Mindy Godwin at 770-394-2465 for all of your printing, toner, and branding needs. We have another great guest on today's show. Uh, today, we have another uh, excellent CEO. Uh, Lisa Guadalupe Clark comes to us with over 29 years of experience and expertise in the staffing executive search industry. She is the CEO of Atlanta Search Group, and her experience includes expertise in human resources, successful track record of recruiting, managing people, creating and inspiring sales office support. Her list of accomplishments seem limitless, yet are highlighted by Class of Leadership Georgia 2019. She is bilingual in both Spanish and English. She's a member of the Emory Advisory Guzueta Foundation Great Grant Advisory Board. She is a Gwinnett County Schools Advisory Board member for the Hispanic Mentoring Program. And she's also a board member for the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Lisa, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. You're certainly going to be a great guest. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself further to the listenership, if you would, please? Thank you. Um, I am the founder and CEO of ATL Search Group. We focus on diversity and inclusion, not only in office support roles, in addition to that, in warehousing and manufacturing. When people mention the word diversity, what I have to ask, what does that mean to you? It means bringing people that have nothing in common with you from different cultures um, it could be a team what is mainly lead by men, adding females of color and non-color. Um, it means even for a woman's team, bringing men to work with them and understanding how that will bring access to your organization. Specifically, you have a lot of expertise with Hispanics in the Latin community. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. I am super involved not only locally with the Hispanic community, but also at large on a national level. I have the opportunity to not only work with professionals, but students and also business owners. The part that a lot of businesses need to understand within the Latino community, we have a lot of subcultures. Tell us about that now. It depending where you're coming from, um, you know, like everybody loves tacos, but they don't realize that's not the main dish for each country, right? Like I'm Salvadorian, so I like pupusas instead of tacos. What, what did you just say? You like pupusas. Which is what? It's a tortilla made with cheese, beans, and pork, and then it's cooked in a hot grill, and then they put uh, a homemade tomato sauce with uh, pickled cabbage. I got to get out more. I got to take you. That's the first I've ever heard about that. (laughs) It is. It's becoming popular. Actually, I was watching a commercial the other day from uh, Metro PCS, and they had a girl that wanted to start her own business, a food truck, and what was behind it was pupusas. 
And I was like, wow, people are finally catching on. This is exciting. <laughs> I, I am a huge believer in tacos. Yes. And they're uh, good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But um, you could also, if you're vegetarian, you could also have a pupusa made with just cheese and beans or just cheese. We also have a, uh, a national flour that is cooking there. Uh, it's called Loroco. Uh, it has a, a little bit of different tastes, um, kind of like organic and wild. <laughs> I would describe it. And so it's really good. So did you grow up here in the Atlanta area? No, I was actually born in New York. Um, and I, when whereabouts, I was, whereabouts in New York? Long Island. Place? Yeah. Don't, Long don't Island. You mean New Long York. Island? Long Island. <laughs> I've been in Atlanta a little too long. <laughs> and, um, when I was one, my mother decided to go back to El Salvador because immigration came and deported everyone but her because I was born here. So she decided to go back because she didn't know the language. She felt alone. She didn't know where to go. Wow. Um, so actually, I grew up in El Salvador during the Civil War. Um, and when I was almost 15, my mother decided to come back to the United States because at that time, they either the guerrilla or military will recruit you when you were 18. Mm. And my mom, there, she was saying, there's no reason for you to continue to see things that a child should not see when you were born and have the opportunity to go back to um, another land that will offer you a better life. So has, that, has that happened to your satisfaction? Yes. And so to tell you a little more about my background, so when I turned 15, my mother decided to go back to El Salvador mm. because my grandma fell and broke her hip. And at that time in her culture, the youngest daughter had to take care of the parents. So she decided to go back. And I had to make a choice at 15 years old. Do I go back to El Salvador to an unknown future or suck it up and stay here? Wow. So my mom was like, those are your choices. If you decide to stay, que Dios te bendiga, you know, God bless you and good luck. I had no one to rely on. I was going to be on my own 100%. What did you do? I decided to stay. I rented a room from uh, a friend of mine. Her parents are from Jamaica. And I had to work at places that didn't quite ask you for your ID to see how old you were. Um, I worked at uh, Spanish supermarkets. I worked at different restaurants. Um, and I was able to put myself not only through high school, but also pay for my own college and still send money to my family in El Salvador. Now, were you here or were you in New York when you were doing New York that? on Long Island. And then how we ended up here is my husband's dad is from here. Mm -hmm. And when we started having a family, um, we felt that it was too expensive to raise a family up north. Mm -hmm. So we were like, there's other places that will offer opportunities. And my father-in-law, why don't you guys check out Atlanta? You may like it. So we decided to make a move. Um and it was the best thing that happened to me, honestly. I don't think. How so? Um, because it's such a growing city with opportunities. I don't think I would have the same connections, even in my own community that I have here up in New York, because they have everything of everything you could think. Atlanta is a growing city. So there's still a lot of opportunities, um, to do your own business, to have your own business, to do something outside the box. Um, there's a lot of creative people 
is a melting pot. There's so many people coming from other states because of the opportunities of work. I mean, everywhere you look, there's a new building. The skyline has changed tremendously everywhere you look. I wish I would have taken pictures even in my own neighborhood. They used to be just land. There's like a building or it's a shopping center. And those opportunities create jobs. How long have you lived in Atlanta now? 14 years. 14 years. Yes. And I love it. I love it. This is home for me. And how many kids do you have? Three. I have all girls, 16, 14, and 10. Did you just say all girls? All girls. I don't see any gray hair. Oh my God. I dye my hair. (laughs) Yes. Three girls that I'm raising to be very strong, independent females. So you could imagine um, some of the good arguments that go on in my house. (laughs) Do you ever use? Do you ever say this to your daughters? You can vote all you want. The only one that's ever getting counted is mine. Do you ever? Well, use I that always as, say this isn't the. I am the only queen in this castle. And then when I they like start that. hearing me, when they start listening to me, that I start talking Spanish because I'm mad. They're like, "Oh God, we better run." Mom's talking Spanish now. <laughs> is it helpful for you, given what you've chosen to do, that you're bilingual? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There's, um, there's a lot of immigrants coming here legally who are, may not know the language. So it helps tremendously. Uh, even with my clients, sometimes, you know, I have to translate documents for safety reasons, um, in my, my manufacturing, uh, companies that I work with. Sometimes we have to do, um, translate the documents in Spanish for them. So it helps a ton. How did you get into the staffing? Industry. So there's always a funny story for me. Um, actually, I was volunteer for Make-A-Wish Foundation and love doing that. So I got a job around a McDonald house on Long Island and quickly realized it wasn't what I thought. So why, why is that? Because I thought I was going to be working with the families. Instead, I was in a cubicle entering um, data entry oh. and sending emails, which it was so like not people connected. And I wanted to be connected to people all the time. So um, I met a board member that used to work at a staffing firm. And I had shared with her that I didn't think this job was going to be for me. So I started as a temp in a new HR office. Uh, and worked on a project. They couldn't keep me long term because they didn't have the funding to do so. So one of the managers said, Hey, there's a staffing company that I used to work. They're looking for somebody bilingual. Would you be interested? And I said, sure. I was open to new opportunities. So I decided to go for this job interview. Um, and I was the only one in my office that spoke Spanish. Uh, and that's how I got into this crazy role. Now, the other thing was that we had a client, oh, my first call, I never forgot, that was super upset. He was cursing up the storm because the temps didn't show up. And I was like, uh, I'm new. I don't know what you do. Can I come visit you? So I went to see him. And I, it was like the perfect timing. A couple of months later, that was our number one client. That company, I grew it from three temps to 130 in no time because they did a merger. So from that client that wasn't that important at that time for the firm where I was working, he became their number one client. And he refused to talk to anyone but me because I took my time to go see him. So lesson learned, only because you're small right now doesn't mean you're always going to stay small. Yeah, little fish become big fish. Yes. 
They're going to grow eventually and you want to grow with them. I want to come back to your uh, Make-A-Wish experience. Do you do any work with those folks um, since your experience with them? I don't, but I do volunteer with other organizations, with middle schoolers um, and college students. I do a lot of speaking engagements. I'm the past president of Alpha, which is the largest uh, Latino association across the U.S., I'm still very connected with universities. I take on, uh, I mentor some other kids. Um, I actually have interns that come and work in my business. Right now I have two from Emory, right? <laughs> and, and I put them, I really make them go outside the box because. Uh, how, how do you do that? I bring them to different events. I expose them to board meetings, which they never done before. Uh, they see what goes on on planning an event. I mean, it, it's craziness and then it's brainstorming with different people. And then you have the beautiful final product of the events. So I expose them to that. I talk to them that when what, whatever decision they, they make in life to always give back to the community that that's important and pass it forward. They're going to be uh, professionals and growing one day. They need to mentor other kids behind them. So you had all this experience working for another staffing organization. Yes. And then within the last several years, you started your own company. <clears throat> yes. Was there a turning point or a jumping off point that uh, led you to start your own organization? Of course. Yeah. So in New York, I had the opportunity to do this. I did a startup that sold for a couple million dollars. And then I always have that fear of... Was that your company? No, it was not. You you helped staff it? I Yeah. I was the one that started the company for someone else with other folks. So it was super successful before I moved to Atlanta. And then it got sold. Um, I always have the fear of failure and not being seen. Oh, look at her. She tried and she failed, right? Everybody doesn't want that re- Rejection piece, especially when you're female. And I felt that in my heart that I always wanted to do it, but I always chicken out, honestly. So my last job, I'm really outside the box. I was working 100% for my former employer, working from home because I'm a working mom. I used to bring my little one in a stroller and I used to tell my clients I come in a package and they were like confused about it. What do you mean you come in a package? And I said, well, my little one is coming. I am a working mom. Don't worry. She's not going to bother you. I used to put her in a stroller with a little um, drawing board. And I told her, if you're good, you get something. And her favorite store is Target. So we will go to Target or McDonald's if she was good and she knew to be good. She was really quiet the whole time. You didn't even know she was there. And it was a little odd at first for some of the clients but you know what they respected the fact that I was working mom I still wanted to bring the bacon to my household but I still wanted to be a parent seems so, uh seems fine to me if you yeah. have a uh, subject matter expertise and somebody wants it then... I mean if 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 it was a screaming kid I don't recommend it but my kid was very well behaved my little one and I could tell you she probably could negotiate a contract better than me at this point um so she got life experience doing that and seeing me do presentations for clients. Knowing you, it seems like not behaving wasn't an option (laughs) for your kids. Is that fair? Yes. I'm a tough mom, but I love them. Um, So what happened was um, my employer sold the company and we sell a service. And I have to believe 
in what I was selling. And my, I didn't believe in the culture of the company that bought them. Why? They were, they didn't really understand. Okay. So for those of you that are planning on purchasing a firm, you need to talk to your, the employees that are there already, get to know them. So that will, I, you know, they didn't even bother to ask me my experience. They didn't even, and it seems like it was so disorganized. There were three people in charge. And every time I had a question, no matter who I ask, I would get three different answers. And I didn't like that. It, that I could see where that could be disconcerting. It was. And I felt that I, my beliefs did not align with theirs. Um, I am as, I believe in customer service. I want to talk to my clients, not just an email. I don't believe in bringing a client, they get another number and I move on to the next and then I bring them a bottle of wine at the end of the year for Christmas. I don't like that. I like to build a relationship. I like to get to know my clients. It's not just the job description. What is the culture in your facility? How can I solve the issues that you're having? That's why you're hiring me. And they were not really connecting with that. So I say to my husband, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out the first time I met the management. And he goes, you just met them. How do you know? I said, I'm in the people business. I know it's not going to work out. Um, So I decided to quit. And at that time, the president of the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, we were having breakfast. And he came to have breakfast with me because he wanted to offer me a job. And I looked at him and I said, I have this crazy idea that I want to start my business. And I don't want it let you down by me taking a job and think, my God, I should have gone and take a chance and started my business. If it works out great, if it doesn't, at least I got that out of my system. And he respected that. So um he said, do you have a budget? What Do you have an office? And I said, well, I got 325 bucks. I don't recommend it, by the way. Have a little more than I did. Um And he goes, I'll rent you an office. In Buckhead, um, I, I sublease you. We have extra office space so you could get started. And then from there you go. So I, I said, okay, I'll do it. So I went home super excited and I told my husband, Hey, guess what? I'm starting my own firm. And he was like, uh, yeah, you said that before, but you never did anything. Right. And I said, no, like for real, I have office space. And he looked at me like, okay, you're really doing this. He goes, where? I said, Buckhead. He goes, where'd you get the money from? I said, don't worry about it. I know people. <laughs> so that's how I started my company. I got my first client and I got um, a direct hire fee. That was my working capital to get going. I started with a bunch of interns and I said, I can't pay you. I give you guys money, but you'll get experience. How do you, you do a startup? So it was very exciting. Um, I had these interns working part time for me and that's how I got it going. And it's been through almost three years now. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. It's a great story. How, of all the things that you tried early on, what do you think worked the best? You know, when you started your company three years ago? You know, one of the hardest things for me have, I always like to help other folks, but asking for help when I needed it for myself was hard. So I was really... That's not uncommon for business owners, by no. the way. No. So, yeah, I found that out. So what I did is I educated myself because I had a mentality of an employee when I started my business. And I had to change that and I had to change that quickly from an employee to an entrepreneur and a business owner. So I develop a... um I called the Small Business Administration and I said, I need help. I need to set up. I need to have a good foundation for my business. 
So I ended up connecting with folks at the Small Business Administration and with the support of the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and different organizations that wanted me to succeed, I started educating myself a lot. Then I got last year, I and this is what's the hardest thing for a business owner is, do you invest your time building blindly your business or do you invest your time learning how to do a great platform so you could grow your business smart. Okay. That was, that was a really hard decision for me. And I, I said, you know what? I'm going to build a platform for my business and I'm going to get myself educated. It wasn't easy, you know, um, especially the first two quarters of last year, but I chose to do that because I knew if I didn't get my business certified, I would not have opportunities with corporate Americas because even though they see a Latina in front of them, they know that's my business. You still need to have those certifications. Learning how to do that. Oh my God. That was a whole different ball game. I ended up paying someone to help me because you want to make sure you're doing it right. I learned a lot of stuff. I hate reports. I'm not someone who likes to sit at a desk and do reportings. That's not me. So I learned what my weaknesses are and I hire somebody who could do that for me. So that's very important. Know what your weaknesses are and hire somebody to balance you that they could take that off your plate. I learned how to read reports because I have to because I'm a business owner, but I don't have to do them. So, yeah, you raise a great point. I mean, uh, being a business owner myself, I uh, uh, I make sure the things I don't want to do or that I'm not good at, I pay somebody else to do. It is. <clears throat> it will save you so many headaches long term. And I had to learn that the hard way, by the yeah. way, because when you start, you everybody do it learns all, it the hard right? way. <laughs> Because isn't isn't the isn't the fallback? Oh, yes. I could do this myself, or I'll do this on Saturday afternoon, or I'll do this on Thursday night. And and here's the thing, I mean, how do we do with things that we don't want to do that we're not trained to do? You pay somebody. Yeah. Well, we don't do a very good, we, we don't do a very good job. Is my point, and we're better off just giving it to somebody where that's something that they could do in their sleep. Yes. And uh, then you go back to doing whatever it is you're doing. In in our organization, we say throw your fastball. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So, um, and I'm a still strong believer that you have to embrace your employees. Yeah. They're the ones who take care of your business. So we have any excuse to eat anything in my office. <laughs> they always say, gosh, I can lose weight because we always celebrate. I need, to come, I need to come by more often if you have <laughs> yeah, uh, unlimited see, food. Yeah, we always have food. We always have an excuse like, okay, we had a rough week. Okay, let's just have a party. Next week will be better. You know, like kind of thing, trying to keep everybody engaged um, and positive, you know, bringing a yeah. positive energy. We all have our personal issues that we deal outside the office. So I try to create a good work environment where people feel they have their right tools. So I send them to different events. I find out what are your interests. I want them to grow professionally because that's going to help my business. So investing in your employees, I, I believe in that. And I want them to feel like we're family. We all have the same thing. We want to make money, but we want to be successful and we want the con company to continue to grow. How so, many employees do you have, Lisa? Uh, five okay. right now. Mm -hmm. They're all full-time? I have uh, one working mom that comes three days a week. Actually, I have two working moms, three, actually. <laughs> I think three working moms, and I'm very flexible with the schedules because I understand I'm a mother too. If you need to take a few hours to go to your child's school for a special lunch or a play or whatever, I don't have a problem. And I think they appreciate that, and they want to work harder because I appreciate that. Well, I think it 
it creates an environment that's conducive to building a world-class company and building a, uh, a place where people want to come to work. And one of the things that, that I've been told, uh, by single mothers is the flexibility is a significant factor. So here is something that I feel the companies are not doing a great job yet. They show off for more part-time roles for moms. They want to be moms in the afternoon. They have all morning free. Guess what? Those hours, they know they have to get everything done they're supposed to do. They will focus on getting that done because they still want to have a career, but they want someone that will give them flexibility to be a mom. And it's important too. Yeah. There's an old saying. I think we're making little steps, but we still got a long way to go. There's an old saying I just made up. If you want something done, give it to a working mom. Yes. It will be done. done If you go to any PTA meeting, those moms, oof. They're fearless. And that's that, that you could see that the, how they embrace and they're passionate about what they're doing and they get it done. You talked, uh, you referenced employee engagement. And I, I get that you have uh, a stickiness to your employees. They like coming to work. They like the flexibility. What are you doing to drive engagement within your company? So with we, your, your, part- with your employees. <laughs> so we do that. And we also participate in a lot of um, different events in our community. Uh, I like to think a lot outside the box. So we recruit a lot. Um, I will call it a more social um, environment because we'll go network to a lot of events. So we'll meet a lot of our applicants through that. And also we engage with different organizations and support them. They're nonprofits that offer an opportunity for someone they may not know how to write a resume. I do a lot of uh, public speaking and also Resume writing, oh my God, I cannot tell you how many folks I meet. They're amazing, but the resumes are horrible. And no one has taken five minutes. How so, Lisa? Because they don't know how to write a good resume. And by that mean is like if they work on an important project that benefited the the customer where they're working, uh, the job, and they they follow through by putting different uh, people to work together right, uh, on a team environment to get this done and he produce um, great benefit to the firm where they are, where they, they generated extra money because they did this and there's nowhere to be found on the resume. Also, one of the things, you know, we have a lot of companies that want to be creative with titles of jobs. And when you look at the job description, I mean, they may have a really fancy name and at the end of the day, it was an administrator. That's what they were doing, right? So when you purchase one of those uh, systems to only find keywords on a resume, for instance, they missed a bunch of stuff because, yes, they will find some resumes that have those keywords, but you don't know the person, the personality. So when we interview a candidate, besides submitting a resume, I like to write a little essay about the person, why I feel this person will add value to my client because you have to understand the personalities of each business. Some are very driven and young. Some of them are super mature and quiet. So once you get that, I could send you the best resume in the world. But if, if the personality of the applicant doesn't fit the environment of the company, we're setting up for failure. So that is so important. And you cannot see that on a resume unless somebody Write a little story about the candidate. Why do you feel this person is important to my organization, right? And that's where a staffing company comes in. 
what well, seems like it seems like you have a very very strong funnel to find candidates to place with your clients. What do you think is the most effective feeder system for you to get to know people so you can place them with, you know, companies that, that need your expertise and need their help? So when we interview them, besides asking them, you know, what is your passion, right? Ask them questions outside the traditional. Yes, they do have to have a set of skills to, to do the job, but we ask them that. What would you do if you had a project and you were in charge, how would you set that up? And that way we see the management style. If we interview them for a manager, if they have work on a specific project. So we write a little story about the person. Um, and I get a lot of referrals from other people. They don't want their employee to find that they're looking for a job on uh, the internet or any job board. So I get a lot of referrals and I actually prefer those because someone is not going to send you a bad person to be attached to their name because they're committed to it. Yeah. They're committed. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's a mm -hmm. great point. What other ways are you prospecting and find finding help to place in companies? Because I'm very outside the box. I work with um, some millennials in different projects and I talk to a lot of college students, you know, eventually they're going to graduate. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that I tell a lot of the college students you think that you don't have experience, but if you are volunteering with an organization when you take a leadership role, that is showing me that you have experience and you are responsible besides going to school. And they don't realize that a lot of times. Yeah, I think it's it, that that part of it's very important. I mean, you'd you'd referenced earlier in our discussion about you're helping them create a story. Yes, uh, obviously transparent and true, but. If, if somebody is going to school and volunteering and running an organization and contributing, I mean, that, that's a story in and of itself. That shows, yes. uh, in my opinion, better than average initiative. And, and I cannot tell you when I interview some, um, entry level folks that are coming into the workforce, if I don't see anything like that, they were just a member of a club that they showed up maybe once a month. That's not inspiring, really. It's great that you're part of that, but what did you do there? Were you involved in any projects? Did you take the lead on any of the projects that you were there? Now, in terms of the newcomers, okay, that are coming into uh, Atlanta, I'm going to speak about that. Um, we have a lot of legal Latinos coming in, especially from Venezuela, because as you know, it's a very tough situation right now with them. Sure. These people come with amazing experience. What is lacking is their language. But if it's um, an engineer or if it's uh, a technical person or an attorney that's bilingual, I know they cannot be an attorney here because the laws are different, but they could work as an administrator or, or in an office environment for a law firm. I have come across some people that they were doctors in their countries, right? Obviously, they cannot practice here, but they could work in the administration for a medical office. So I asked a question to a large organization that they were told me they're suffering from finding talent um, in technical jobs. They said they cannot find technicians to work in their orders. And one of the questions I have, would you be interested in hiring some of the engineers that are coming into this country? They speak basic English, but would you be willing to do maybe like a six-week training um, so they know how to do things the way your organization do it. They have the skills already. 
what is lacking is their language and understanding how things work here. Is that a big thing for them to overcome the language? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Culturally, <laughs> um, the culture, the culture shock, the language, um, you know, we are very warm and we like to hug everybody, whether we're doing business with people or not. We hug everybody. It's just something we do with a kiss, right? And that could be representative for some companies. Oh, don't touch me. I don't know you like that. <laughs> so, you know, letting them know that. And even the resumes, you know, um, for a lot of uh, Latin American countries, you have to put your picture. You have to put that you're married. You have to put that you're divorced. You have to put how many kids you have, the ages of your children versus here in the USA, they're not interested in any of that, you know, and I always tell them you have to learn how to write a resume the way it's acceptable here because the way it's acceptable in our countries is not, is not acceptable here. What gives you the most satisfaction with what you do? When I find uh, what I call my unicorn um, employees and I convinced one of my you mean clients people that actually do what you tell them to do. <laughs> yes. But they're also, you know, I could see them feeding into an organization where they're going to grow. And I know they have like 70% of the skills that they're looking for, but the, the other 30%, I know they could teach them, but they could bring so much more to an organization. And they actually listened to me because I convinced them to give this person a chance. And that customer, a, a couple of weeks later, or a couple of months later said, oh, my God, thank you for finding me this person. And when I get an applicant that's so frustrated because of age sometime, they haven't been able to get an opportunity um, to work or continue their work, especially if they have been for a firm, let's say, 17 years and suddenly they lose their job. Right. Of course, they got to kind of start all over with less money. It's, it's a very difficult transition. They're older. Um, so sometimes it becomes a little difficult to find jobs for them. And I said, you know, I have companies that prefer older people and it works great. So when I place them and they're so thankful because it's not just getting a pay from that. Yes, it's awesome. I need that right for my family. But to see their smiles in their face is priceless to me. What is the biggest challenge in your business? Gosh, there's so many of them uh, because we deal with people. Uh, we never know what we're going to get while we place them. You uh, seem to be a very good judge of sizing up people. We we chatted about this uh, in our previous meeting and today. Uh, you seem to be very effective at sizing people up. You You must be very effective at that. Would you agree? Yes, you have to in my, in my business doing it as long as I have. Yes. But even with that, people would still surprise me. I could write a book. Oh my God. It'd be like why the number one you? seller. <laughs> I should. <laughs> All the excuses why they don't go to work, especially blue collar employees. Oh my God. I can't even tell you. We keep notes. Um, the calls that when they call out and be like, you know, Oh, my mother had an emergency or my mother died. And I said, wait, wait, which one is it? Did your mom passed away or, you know, cause she passed away last week and now you're saying she has an emergency or like I got a Q-tip stuck in my ear. Um, just different things that I'm like, just when I thought I heard it all, especially if you're in the audience right now and you're working human resources, I'm sure you're appreciating what I'm saying. When you work with people, it's always a challenge, but trying to overcome 
that challenge is where the customer service piece comes, working relationships with my clients, and being transparent. If you know something is wrong and you realize it, I'm going to tell you, even if you get mad at me, because I'd rather you get mad at me for like 30 seconds than you losing you as a client. Well, I think there, <clears throat> you referenced a circumstance early on where uh, a client had an issue and you wanted to visit them personally. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that a lot, would you agree that a lot can be gained sitting across the table from your client? Oh my God. Yes. Um, versus an email. Well, Absolutely. some of it, some of it is lost if you're going to call them on the phone yes. or send an email or it, it could be at the very least misinterpreted. But I think it says something about you that you wanted to go and talk to that client where there are some you know, sort of less than advantageous circumstances to sort everything out. Yeah. So like this morning, we had an issue at one of our warehouses, right? And I knew I had to come here and, and talk to you. So you what I early, did, I, yeah, because I'm early. always on time or early. I'm always early. So what I did is because I still wanted to show that client that we care, I sent an employee, somebody that works in my office. Yeah. We went over some of the questions. What was the issue? How are we going to solve it? And I said, go. Because even though I'm not able to go, I still want someone from my company visiting that client to make sure that he's okay. Do you have a specific area that you're focused on or that you believe you have uh, subject matter expertise on with what you do? Diversity and inclusion in office support and light industrial, those two things. Okay. So seems like a combination. Some are some are sort of white collar, some are yes. are not. Yes. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there one that you prefer working with more than the other? I I like both of them. Um, but I do have to tell you, I see a different thing when I go visit a manufacturing company. They tell me that I'm a little odd because I still enjoy to see how a product is being made before it ends up on a shelf. It is fascinating. You know, I would it agree is. With that. Oh my God. Even like if I have I have a company that makes tortillas, you know, that everything is organic. So the, the, the whole warehouse have to be a certain temperature and to see how they boil the corn from scratch, you know, how they get the kernels out to boil the corn, to put it through the machine, to make the masa, to have this science perfectly. So each tortilla is round, perfect measurement from corner to corner. I think it's fascinating, right? So I don't know. I love to see that. I feel like I'm in a field trip back in school, you know, <laughs> you went to visit something. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. It is fascinating to see how things are made and to see the intricacies and the various systems and checklists uh, that, you know, the manufacturers have to make sure that the product is built, you know, within certain specifications and certain mm-hmm. standards. I, But I would agree. I It's fascinating to me to watch things be made. Yeah. Now, the other piece, um, the professional side, um, this is new that I'm sharing with with you. I am putting together a a group of Corporate America Latinas that work in Corporate America. They are part of employee resource groups to have um, educational and growth events for the Latinas professionals here. Um, they are ERG, BRG groups. They get together, but very general. What does that mean, ERG? Um, employee resource groups. Um, and a large corporation will have that. And, but one of the things that I noticed it was missing for Latinas, we're moms, we're wife, we want to do it all, right? But we still need a support group. And sometimes we come across 
different issues that you start wondering, I wonder somebody else in another organization is going through what I'm going through or am I the only one? So I think it's so important to have this type of women get together and discuss some of the issues. Having mentors that will help them grow in their career path. Not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and I get it. Um, people have a lot of to contribute to organizations. We don't have a lot of Latinas in C-suite level, executive level. So how do we, we cross that bridge by supporting each other and learning from other women, not necessarily Latinas. And also from guys that want to mentor us, I think is important. In my career, I have a lot of champions for different things and they always have been males. For whatever really? reason. Yes. Why do you think that was? I don't know. Always. Even my high school teacher that pushed me to go to college. Guy. Mainly, there have always been a guy who pushed me to do things. I find it hard to believe that anybody would push you to do anything <laughs> successfully. Well, that's how you learn. Yeah. You know, you need that support team. What things, <clears throat> what charities or what initiatives speak to you now with all of your experience and, and you know, all of your effectiveness that you've had uh, with your expertise? Definitely the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Um, How do you help them? I'm involved on the board. I work with them for two years with Latina prof uh, entrepreneurs. So while I was going through my business, I said, gosh, I wish somebody would have had an event, a workshop or something where I could have learned about this, right? So that I, I did that for two years. But then in the back of my mind, I always had a passion to help Latinos in the professional environment because I, I worked a lot with Latinos before. Um, still continue to work on a national level with a lot of Latinos professionals through Alpha. And I always felt there was a piece missing to encourage and work together as women. Gosh, it's one thing for you to be a woman. It's another thing for you to be a Latino woman, right? So I felt that the, I why, needed why to Why is that? Why do you make that distinction? Because it is. I mean, but specifically why? Even in my own personal experience, you know, we, we stick to what we know, right? So we feel like if there's another woman, um, would she be okay if I ask for help because I don't look like her? Or I play nice in the sandbox with them or not. You know, you, you tend to close up a bit. Do you find that women have been helpful to you when you've asked them for help, just generally speaking? Yes. Yeah. I have. But again, it's hard for me sometimes to ask for help. This just in. Sometimes business owners have difficulty asking for help. I, I would agree with you. Yeah. Because on some level... You know, I think at some point you, you, you get to a comfort level and you say, okay, here are the things I'm good at. Mm -hmm. Here are things I like doing. Mm -hmm. Here are the things I'm not good at. Mm -hmm. And here are the things I don't like doing. Yes. And then you, you pay somebody to do the things that you're not good at or you don't want to do. Yeah. And it, I, and I like to be super competitive. Even if you ask my husband, he would tell you, I like to prove him wrong. <laughs> so, so when he said, you can't do that, I was like, watch me. <laughs> I always say that. And I have a saying that had gotten me through the hardest things for me. I didn't come this far to stay this far. So just when I feel that I'm, I'm crossing the, the hard river that I can't swim anymore, that I'm stuck, I keep saying, 
I didn't come this far to be this far. Yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I'm fascinated. I, I have some uh, friends that did a lot of work with the Navy SEALs and I, I'm fascinated by how tough those guys are and the training that they have. And they have a saying that, uh, you know, I asked one of them one time, I said, well, how did you survive all the training? And he just said, I never rang the bell. Same thing. You never quit. Just, mm -hmm. and, and I think that, you know, no matter what your expertise is, uh, there is a keep going component mm -hmm. and I didn't come this far to just get this far. That's true. Yeah. And for me personally, I have three daughters. So failure is not an option. Yeah. If something I, didn't work out, you know what? I learned from it. I wiped my tears and I kept going. Yeah. What, what do you think that, how do you think your business has evolved the last three years? What have been the, the, the most important things that you've responded and, and how, how has your business evolved since you started it? Well, I'm smarter about it. I know the value of my expertise. How did you get to that conclusion? How did you find out what your value was? Because I started asking people, well, how much are you charging for this? And I was like, I don't want to know, be known at the discount firm, you know, because yes, I, I will work on large volume and obviously there's a price difference, Sure. but I, I, we work so hard to try to get you the right candidates, um, that I can't be known as a, only because I'm a Latina discount firm. How is, how how are your services priced just generally? So I know what the market is okay. and I'm still undercharging. So you, uh, you know, a client has a manufacturing yes. organization and they yeah. need some admin or support personnel. Mm -hmm. You find a couple of clients, a couple of candidates, they interview and one of them gets chosen. Mm -hmm. How do you get paid? So we have a couple of ways that we get paid. Direct hire which they pay me a percentage of flat fee with a guarantee. Okay. Uh, and that's more for management um, and office support. A lot of the times they go for that or BP level. Um, then you have the attempt to hire where we keep them a certain amount of hours in a payroll. We cover the workers comp, everything related to anything that happened to that employee is on my dime. Uh, we pay them, we do the payroll, we do background checks, we do drug screening for our clients, we do direct deposit because we I don't believe in live checks that lose them like crazy. So either you have a bank account or we give you a pay card. Or we have project base where you may need somebody for a week, three days, a month, a year. Um, I have some clients that are busy for seven months out of the year, so they will keep these employees. And they don't want that to be a reflection on the business instead of laying them off. So we work with those clients. We place them somewhere else. And so you you have people that will work on a project basis. Yes, we have both. So X, X client needs, uh, you know, a, they have a database that they need to update. Or oh, an admin, right? An yeah. admin, somebody, or oh, the receptionist, somebody is, is going out on vacation. And they need coverage for two weeks or something. I yeah. could help them with that. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Do you have uh, an area of your business that you like or that you prefer uh, over others? I like them both. I can't say that I prefer one or the other. Uh, sometimes, you know, manufacturing slows down. I know how this, the year cycle works, and that's where my admin uh, and office support will pick up sometimes. Uh, so it kind of balance. You have to have both, in my opinion. 
What do you think sets you apart from your competition? Number one, I, I am certified, women certified, minority certified, which actually will give you a discount if you use me in your taxes by doing that. I'm very competitive with my prices. I like the customer service feel still. Um, and we will work really hard and we care about our clients. It seems like one of the things that sets you apart is, uh, bilingual staffing. You'll do, Super. you'll do what's necessary to make sure that the client is happy. Yes. As opposed to telling the client, Hey, call this 800 number, or what have you. And talk yes. to somebody that doesn't want to talk to you. I hate that. <laughs> It's I hate less, that myself. It's, it's less than advantageous, <laughs> uh, but it's important to, yes. uh, uh, that I see as a significant advantage. I want to come back to something. So you have complete command of two languages. Yes. Is one harder than the other, do you think? Spanish versus English. I would say Spanish is harder, and I'll tell you why. Depending, even when I speak Spanish to the employees that come and apply, depending what country you're from, you may have a different slang for some products. And what a word may not mean nothing to me because I'm Salvadorian, it might be a curse word for you in your country. Or like I'll give you an example, even a vegetable, right? I didn't know um, we, we have peppers. Depending what country you're from, you have a different name and it's a pepper. And I had to learn that. I was like, what are you talking about? What is that? They were like, it's a he and they showed me a picture. I was like, that's a pepper, you know, like little things like that. That's what makes it a little harder. You know, when I was in high school, <clears throat> my parents felt it would be a good idea for me to take uh, a language. And I had always been told that Spanish is the easiest language to learn compared to German or French. Or, and I don't know if that's true or not. I probably I, I did enjoy learning it. It made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, it makes more sense to me than the English language. So here's a funny thing. When I was learning how to speak English, I used to put the words together the same way I thought in Spanish. So it was like backwards. I'll give you an example. A birthday party. Party birthday, I used to think. Fiesta de cumpleaños. Because it was backwards in my mind. So I used to try to translate the way I thought in Spanish, in English. So, <laughs> so I will speak a lot of like this stuff backwards when I'll I started bet, learning. <laughs> I'll bet that's a big advantage for you. For me personally, it is. Um, it had opened so many doors and I, I have to share this with you. So I'm one of those people that if I'm too comfortable, I need to be un- uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I've seen a number of uh, memes and phrases that say if if you're uncomfortable, you're right where you need to yes. be. Yes. So I do have to tell you, um, leadership, Georgia. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Let's hear about that. Um, That's a big have, deal to be a part of that. It is a huge deal, and I didn't realize how big it was until I became part of them. So my class, 2019, I was told they had about 700 pl- applicants from across Georgia. The whole state. Um, out of those, they chose 63. And the difference is that out of those 63, you are allowed, oh, actually, you have to come pretty much with your spouse or your business partner. So if, because I was in, I brought my husband. I didn't realize how hard it was for me 
to be at a networking event with my husband because I was like, do I pay attention to him so he doesn't feel left out? Or do I go and network with people that I don't know? The first, the first time we got together was really odd for me. Mm. But at the same time, we learned more about each other as a couple because it was something we were doing together. And that was the hard piece. We had to find somebody to watch our kids. But also, I work with a lot of people that had nothing in common. So out of the 63 they chose, we were only three Latinos. And I didn't know the other two at all. So, um, which it was exciting. But one thing I learned was that if you take your time to get to know people, even though they're not like you, you will realize that you have something in common. For us, even though we were so different in every single way, religion, political views, uh, career path, we all have the, the one thing in common was we love the communities that we serve. And we were passionate. And seeing everyone in actions that they were doing stuff in the community was so exciting to me. When you were a part of that, uh, I know there's a significant vetting process, obviously. for Oh, yeah. Georgia, it, but, it's tough. But what events did you get together once a month? Or how, how did, what does it mean <laughs> So to be- we, I think we had about six times through the class that we got together. And it was Thursday through Saturday. And you don't sleep. If I was going to give an advice to anyone that goes through that program is get your sleep on before you go. Because it's busy. We would get calls from, I mean, we had to be ready up on our feet sometimes at 5.30 in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, and it was a, a whole day. But what I loved about that is um, we got an opportunity to visit places that I never even heard of or never thought. I learned so much about agriculture, so I have a different uh, respect for folks that work in farming and the importance that that brings into our community. Like I had no idea that we were the number one exporters of chicken. Really? Yes. The state of Georgia is? Gainesville. Sure. So is the capital of chicken. And they're so chicken proud. We ate so much chicken. We even went to a chicken festival that weekend that I was chicken out by the time I got home. But, you know, um, it was very also interesting to me that in the middle of nowhere, we visited this town and they have so many ways that innovation technology that they're doing surgeries so it was so cool for me to see all the equipments how they do microscopic uh surgeries and the recovery time for a patient is so much less than if you cut you fully versus a tiny little hole where they they do these things and and i had some folks that were uh, medical doctors um in our group and to see them utilize this machine, it was, it blew my mind. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so nervous and I'm not even sitting there. And there was like nothing for them. You know, they, they do surgeries all the time with this equipment. So that was incredible. Well, so you got to see a lot of things. It sounds like that the, the average person will Wouldn't. likely never see. No. And he doesn't die there. So we're still getting together. I was just with a bunch of them, uh, meeting the fresh new meat. <laughs> Last weekend, the new class of 2020, we got an opportunity. So you have opportunities to meet older classes, graduated, they graduated before you, and the new people that are coming. So it's super engagement. And the thing that they tell you, um, you'll meet your friends for life in this organization. 
it's not just you and your spouse. They also have get togethers for your kids and they get to network with each other. So it, it's really fantastic. I well, it sounds like you. it sounds like you had a tremendous experience. I had it, it really <clears throat> took me even more out of my box, out of my comfort zone. Yes. Sounds like maybe even the experience was transformative. It was because I got to work with people that I never thought I had anything in common with. You know, so it kind of opened my mind and I started thinking, gosh, if more people, you know, when you hear people hating each other, if they had an opportunity to actually talk to each other to see where each party is coming from, I think the world would be in such a better place because I know I left wiser and I learned so much more after going through that program. Well, that's great. So I'm going to ask a question and it's probably a loaded question. Do you have free time? Yeah. And if so, you know, do you have hobbies? What do you do to regenerate, to um, hit the reset button, to make you more sharp for your business, you know, going forward? <clears throat> so believe it or not, when I'm the most busiest and I go to large events with inspirational speakers and you see other people, they quote unquote made it, that recharges me. But also when I need to, I need some time alone. And what I mean is with my family, because yeah. I'm never really alone alone. Even though I do have to tell you the biggest thing that I would tell women, professional women and entrepreneurs, you have to carve some time. For yourself to 100%. be alone, whether it's with a friend, take a trip, a weekend. If you're so busy, overnight something. But you need that. And I'm learning to do that because self-care is so you're, you're taking not your own advice. Yes. Self-care is important. So I, I do that sometimes, at least once a year. Yeah. Okay. Good for you. And the biggest thing for me is going on a nature walk that has a river here in Georgia. Oh. I love to see flowing water. It calms me down. I, I I love nature and I like to see that. And I feel like it clears my head from all the thoughts that, that I'm having, all the negativity. Okay. And religion. Religion is a big part of me too. I understand. Yes. If you could give the younger version of Lisa some advice, what would it be? Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> and... Don't look at the problem, no matter how big it seems. Look at how you're going to solve it. Yeah. The end result may not be what you think, but the lesson learned, it was going to make you a better person than what you are right now. If there was a young lady that wanted to follow in your footsteps, what advice would you have for her? Be open-minded. Embrace opportunities because you don't know where that's going to take you. Embrace opportunities. Yeah, you've certainly done that. Yes. Well, Lisa, you've been a great guest on the show. Continued success. If the listenership wanted to get a hold of you, how would they go about doing it? Uh, you could find me on LinkedIn, Lisa Guadalupe Clark. My work email is lisa at atlsearchgroup.com. Lisa at atlsearchgroup.com. Or my personal cell phone number, 516 Three seven five zero six one nine. And then do you have a website or any yes, social media? com, And you can find us on Facebook as well um, under ATL Search Group on LinkedIn and our website. We're all over. 
Well, Lisa, you've been a great guest. Uh, congratulations on all of your success, all that you've conquered. Um, you know, we certainly wish you the best going forward. Thanks again for being such a great guest on Tuesdays with Corey. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Really a pleasure.